welcome to another episode of Off the Menu. I'm your host, Vincent Franchini from Tumblr House, here with a somnolent Charles Coulo. Somnolent? You know, sleepy. As in ready to pass out any moment. Yeah. As in... Yeah. Well, as you may guess to my voice, I am struggling with my health. So that may give the impression of the uninformed that I am somnolent. Whereas in reality, I've got an ear infection. And it's caused me some other problems. But, but, we stand on the verge of a new year. Because of my debility, I'm rather informally dressed. Usually for our New Year's programs, I wear a dinner jacket. But not today. That's okay, Charles. You're a trooper. And we thank you for, for doing this for us. The show must go on. The show must go on. Rule number one of show business, I hear. The that's, show must go on. That's what my dad always said. Yeah. Forget the scenery, forget the costumes. We're here, we'll do the show. There you go. All right. Okay, um, anything else? Anything going on? Anything else? Oh, um, heavens any? to Betsy. Yeah. Well, the fallout from last week's show was astonishing. Yeah? Yeah. Corporate and New Haven have completely reversed all their policies. What is it, April Fool's? What do I look like, an April Fool to you? No, I'm just closing it out for the new year. <laughs> No, all right, corporate hasn't said any such thing. But, but, my ghost story did lead, of all people, my pastor, Father Andrew Bartas, to include the transcript of the story Gosh. in his Christmas letter. Gosh, it's a lie, though. Well, no, it's an allegory. Yeah, but you deceive people that it's true to make them feel what you want them to feel. Number one, I did not deceive anyone. All for a cheap laugh. No, it wasn't a cheap laugh. It cost me a lot. <laughs> okay. I had to work hard for that laugh. Uh, that's true, actually. But actually, it wasn't a laugh at all, as I mentioned afterwards, and as I think Father picked up on. It was an allegory, and people today are not used to allegories. <clears throat> if Dickens published a Christmas carol today, people would want to know, is that true? Did that really happen? You know what? I've, do, I've done some looking. There's no firm of Scrooge and Marley. Never existed. There's no family called Cratchit in the uh, phone directory. Well, chick what is chickens. Uh, Dickens did not pretend that it was autobiographical. You did. You said my, you said your grandpa. Dickens didn't do that. M.R. James did that in half his ghost stories. And how many novels have titles like My Uncle So-and-So and My Brother Whatnot? Okay. Yeah. You win. I do. <laughs> Here I take my stand. This is a hill I shall die upon. No. The hill of allegory. You die on such strange hills. And <laughs> no. you... Drawing a line in the sand in some really weird spot on the yeah. Battle of Los Angeles. In yes. <laughs> L.A. saved the world. <clears throat> Absolutely. And what thanks has the City of Angels gotten from that planet? None. None. Everyone out here today watching this, if it hadn't been for the City of Los Angeles, you all might now be slaves of the Romulan Star Empire. Wow. But Los Angeles resisted that night in 1942. We did. 
London could talk about the Blitz. Paris could talk about the siege of 1870. Atlanta could talk about their burning. But none of them, none of them what went through what Los Angeles went through. That's true. 100%. Held off an entire UFO invasion fleet. <laughs> yes. And thank heaven, two brave Jesuits were there. Yeah. Uh, Colorado, Colorado and Yeah. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. That's right. They had they an anti-aircraft embankment. I can picture it now. Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. And as the tasers came down from the, from the um, enemy uh, UFO fleet. <laughs> Gosh. <sighs> okay. Um, what? It's New Year's. New Year's no, magic. It's New Year's. New Year's magic, yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, anything else? Anything else going on this week? Well, or... yes, several yeah. things. Okay. Well, two things. A new year. Guy Lombardo. Yeah, baby new year 2020. That's right. He's going to come crawling, staggering out, clasping a bottle. And <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Canterbury, in England this year, they are featuring celebrations for the 850th anniversary of the martyrdom of St. Thomas Beckett. Wow. Called Beckett 2020. Of course. So, that's something to bear in mind. We're saying goodbye to the teens of this century. Hard to believe. Yes, 20 years have gone like that. One minute, we're struggling to get ready for Y2K, which I still haven't finished, by the way. My preparations for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Well, I haven't quite. Yeah, no, it takes uh, some serious adjustments. Yeah, but I'll be ready. Of course. Why 2K? <laughs> Why not 2K? <sighs> anyway. Yeah. Those 20 years went by very quickly. They did. And now, um, well, I'll uh, leave this monologue with one thought. 20 years ago, New Year's Eve, I went out with Brother Lena Mary and Bonnie Callahan to, uh, we didn't bring in the new year there, but we went to, for dinner, to a Japanese place in Pasadena, the late lamented Miyako. Okay. And while we were there, an elderly Jewish gentleman in his 90s, married to a Japanese lady, asked me for reasons I don't understand, uh, what do you see, mister, coming in this new year, this new decade, this new century? This new millennium. What do you see? Uh, I looked at him. I said, uh, more of the same, only worse. And he said, well, can't we at least hope for peace? I said, yeah, sure. Hope whatever you like. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. He wanted encouragement, and I gave it to him. And that happened 20 years ago next week. Wow. Yeah. You remember that New Year's Eve like it was last don't you? Yeah. That's really something. I so I was a I was a sophomore in high school. I remember that. That was that was gosh. Goes by in a blink. Whoop. And All now right. <clears throat> and now for something completely different. The questions. Yes. 
Right. Uh, first question: How do we take steps toward an economy and social system that don't make it a negative to have a large family? <sighs> well, that's a very hard question to answer. Because um, a lot depends on what you're doing and where you're doing it. Obviously, the more self-sufficient you are, the better. But it's very difficult for most people living today to be self-sufficient. But you can do things to the degree that you can, like shopping locally, that is to say at mom and pa stores rather than chains. Utilize farmer's markets, that kind of thing. Um, and try to meet with like-minded people. Don't they, um, politically, can't, aren't there certain things in place where you get more of a tax break uh, if you have more dependents? No, that's, I suppose that's true. It depends on the jurisdiction you're under and so forth. But I, yeah. I think there should be more like incentives to actually breed. Well, of course. You know? I mean, Hungary is doing this. Yeah. And <coughs> we should be doing it. Yeah. You know, you should... Families that are growing should have financial, there should be financial incentives to have children and to stay together. Yeah. It really is that simple. But nobody talks about it in American politics at all. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because both parties are essentially, was essentially reflect the same sterile mindset. Hmm. Okay. Next question is from Electro Hund. Merry Christmas, gentlemen. I have a question for Charles. What are your thoughts regarding Tay-Z prayer services and the Tay-Z movement? My understanding was that Popes John the Twenty-Third, JP Two, and Benedict Sixteenth, while all being personally interested in the movement and friends with Roger Schutz, at least JP Two and Benedict, were rather adamant that Catholics should not have anything to do with the movement. And yet I see signs outside of churches stating that they are going to have Tay-Z prayer services and Tay-Z worship services. I'm guessing that's singing their songs. Also, do you know why Popes JP2 and Benedict would give communion to Roger Schutz when he was an avowed Protestant? Well, first, Tay-Z is a sort of Protestant, uh, that is, French Reformed monastery in France. Okay. Which was founded after World War II by this fellow, Brother Roger Schutz, who was uh, uh, active in the resistance. Uh, <clears throat> you'll notice that a lot of the same people who are happy to have Taizé services don't want the Latin Mass. I've never heard Taizé before. Uh, this quasi-chant, monastic stuff, only Protestant, but very philo-Catholic. A lot of the leading members of it have uh, converted. What's Philo Catholic? They like stuff that's Catholic. Oh, okay. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't recommend the Catholics going for Tuesday stuff. Uh, as for giving him communion, <clears throat> I suppose they gave it to him because he believed in transubstantiation. That's the only circumstance under which you give communion to non-Catholics. What, what was he again? French Reformed. And the French Reformed normally do not believe in transubstantiation. Okay. Um, 
Well, what could be wrong with chant? I mean, uh, like there are Protestant songs in my opinion. Like Amazing Grace is a Protestant song. Yeah, I know. Because, so is, is it like heretical like that? No, no. But I think what they're worried about was indifferentism. Ah, uh, okay. So it's like an expressly Protestant chant. Like it's it's definitely like that's the identity of the chant. It's Protestant. Yeah, it was composed by Protestants and so forth. Okay. Okay. Next questions. Uh, next three questions are from Brian. Mm. Charles, what are your favorite traditions of the twelve days of Christmas? Well, getting the tree on Christmas Eve. <coughs> Decorating the house on Christmas Eve. Uh, having a priest bless up a bottle of St. John's wine on St. John's Day. When's St. John's Day? It's the 27th of December. Okay. And you actually have had a priest bless a bottle of wine? Yeah. In the Rigawale, there's a, uh, an order for the blessing of, uh, of wine on St. John's Day. Wow. And when you drink out of it, you drink, I drink to you with the health of St. John. And the love of St. John, brother. I drink to you with the love of St. John. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. I, I think more people should know that. That That's really cool. Now they do if they watch this. I know, but not many people. I, like, I want it mainstream. You know? I want the big time. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, one thing that's becoming more popular these days is the Boar's Head Festival. Okay. And you'll see it in different, done differently in different places, but it centers around bringing in the boar's head for dinner with the boar's head carol being sung. <clears throat> the boar's head, as I understand, is the rarest dish in all the land. Wonderful. Yes. But there's a procession and all sorts of fun things. That's good. So, and of course, for the Epiphany. It was was that a, a local thing? I mean, is that like a like Austri Austrian or no English? English, okay. But it's been revived in England and America and Canada and places like that. Okay. Places where they talk English. Yeah. And then, <clears throat> uh, um, the Epiphany, of course, has a lot of customs I love, especially the blessing of Epiphany water, and Epiphany gold, and Epiphany frankincense, Epiphany myrrh. And the coming of the three kings, if you're Spanish. Wow. Okay. Uh, is that it? Well, I love New Year's Eve, of course. Of course. Uh, and New Year's Day. Live from Vienna. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, personally, I was going for a Japanese New Year's brunch. New Year's Day is big with the Japanese. Yeah, right. Um, things like that. Okay. Uh, second question from Brian. Charles, I'm confused regarding the sequence of events in the end times. Where does the coming of a great monarch and pope, the Antichrist, the conversion of the Jews, and the three days of darkness fit into the equation? So walk us through this, Charles. What, what happens first? Different people say different things. What Those, do you say? I don't know. I don't say anything. I don't know. It's not happened yet. But you predict things. Not like that. <laughs> Not like that. Yeah. I have no special spiritual insight. And different seers have come up with different uh, 
different uh, timetables okay. for the events of the last days. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we recently took a question on the three days of darkness, and you're agnostic on that. Mm. Um, I haven't heard about the conversion of the Jews before in a prophecy. Yeah, it's in St. Paul. What did he say? That before the end, the Jews will convert. All of them? Wow. One oh. of the signs. Oh, okay. Of the end times. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, Brian's last question. Charles, what do you think of the 16 Myers-Briggs personality types? Are the classical four temperaments a better guide? I mean, come on. Myers-Briggs, that seems pretty... They're both useful in their own way. I feel like... What? I'm dodging the bullet? Uh, Myers-Briggs has sort of Judeo-Masonic influence. What? Yeah. Okay. So, let's stick to the four. All right, fine. Whatever you like. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I mean... <laughs> Judeo-Masonic influence. <laughs> Jeez. No, I, I, I am INFJ. What if, it, what if it were a Mazzano Jewish instead? That can't be. No, but would that be better? No. It would be worse. Yeah. So what's the difference between Mazzano Jewish and Judeo Masonic? What? What's the difference between Mazzano Jewish and Judeo Masonic? The first one doesn't exist. You just made it up because you're being difficult. Me? Yeah. Difficult? Yes. Huh. Am I some sort of performing bear that has to be useful and easy? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it takes care of that question. Next. What's your Myers-Briggs personality type? Easily annoyed. That is not a personality type of the Myers-Briggs Idealist type. crusader. Well, there's a lot of those out there. <laughs> yeah, well, so am I. I took the test. That is not... Okay, the first one is your extrovert or introvert. All right, extrovert. I forgot the next one, but I'm I'm N. I think that's intuitive. I forgot what the other one is. I think I think I can't remember one. Okay. Um, I was intuitive. Okay, I don't know, but I I'm INFJ, and then that's feeling and judgmental. I don't care about the other ones. They're judgmental. Yeah. When did that start? I've always been judgmental. You're not judgmental. Everybody judges. Who tells you you're judgmental? I tell me I'm judgmental. It's a lie. Don't you tell me who I am. I'll tell you, you're not judgmental. You're easygoing and accepting of everybody for who they are. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's right. Wow. You would never impose your views on others, not once. I, I'll roll with that well, if you say it's true. I say it's true. That's good. Love. You're basically a nice person. I don't know if I like that as much. No. I don't like the basically. I'm basically a nice person. Yeah, you are. That seems like a backhanded compliment. Well, at least it's a compliment. <laughs> no, it's, it's better than saying, well, basically you're a wretch. I mean, that wouldn't be very good. No. All right. Okay, uh, next question from Joshua. As of late, I have been suffering from laxity and despair, which makes me want to flee from the duties of my state in life. Take me with you. <laughs> okay. I believe the sin is called acedia. Does Charles have any advice on how this sin could be overcome? Thanks and love the show. Well, yeah, take me with you. 
How does that overcome it? Oh, he'd want to get back to the duties of the state of life straight away. Why? The difference between being stuck with me and, and doing whatever it is he's doing. Don't be self-loathing, Charles. No, I'm self-accepting. I'd know. be enjoying it. He wouldn't. Anyway, no, I, I'm kidding. What What do you need to do for Oxidia, 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 is that you've got to focus on what you actually enjoy about what you're doing. And there is something. I don't know what it is, but there is. Moreover, if you weren't doing what you were doing, <coughs> you wouldn't have it. So focus in on it. I mean, your wife may be an annoying person a lot of the time, but either A, she wasn't always that way, or B, she does some things you enjoy. Focus on that. Okay. Um, gosh, I am tempted to say a great deal about this because this is a big secret uh, vice that everybody has, especially me. You. Um. We actually have an article. We actually have an article. Would you? We actually have an article uh, that I took from my favorite book from Solange Hertz, Sin Revisited. She has um, an article on Acedia. And that actually, I believe, stems from the early church, uh, the Desert Fathers. It's not, I don't know if uh, Thomas, did Thomas Aquinas talk about it too? I don't know. It wasn't on his Seven Deadly Sins, but this one is, um, because it's not exactly laziness. It's also no, fear. It's, it's fear of the cross. Yeah, it's the easy way out. Yeah, on things, which I certainly accept. And that's a big deal if you think about it like that. That it's fear from the cross. You will not take up your cross <coughs> uh, because that's what life is. Sadly. Um, so I think um, one of the things is to is to embrace your crosses and. Try to, yeah, try to accept them. Again, I'm really big on the litany of humility because you're accepting of your crosses. You're saying, um, uh, you know, that, that you're, I'm, I, deliver me from fear of being suspected. Deliver me from fear of being wronged. You, you see, you can't let fear govern what you do. Yeah. On all these things. Another great resource is Father Ripperger, who talks about this. He talks a lot about, because this whole world is so pleasure-seeking. And it leads you to acedia. Like, everything. Like, absolutely everything. Uh, if you just sort of don't fight it. Um, so, read Father Ripperger on this. Uh, he, he'll help you out. Um, also, lastly, try to stay busy. Because it's hard, a lot. It's hard to get a job nowadays. It's easy to just kind of float around and play video games and and kind of just let the world pass you by. Mm. It's very, very easy. I've done that. I know that. Um, so wait a minute, wait a minute. You wouldn't prove World of Warcraft in that, would you? Of course, I would. Especially World of Warcraft. Congratulations, that's the one game you know, Charles. But that's kind of old. World of Warcraft is kind of dying, so that's yeah, okay. But I spend 17 hours of every day in World of Warcraft. Wow. What level are you? Um, high level. <laughs> that's good. What class? Upper. <laughs> oh my god. Wow, touche, Charles. You got me there. 
There you go. Okay, upper high level upper class. <laughs> Charles. Well, I guess seventeen hours a day. It makes sense. That's right. I what's called a giant panda. Oh yeah, you you came in probably. You watched the Mist of Pandaria expansion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They have panda monks. You could be a monk. I could be a panda monk. Yeah, you could. I could have. I could start pandemonium. That's right. There and, you go. And Red Dawn Redemption. Red Dead Redemption. Same same. Two. The zombie. Yeah, zombie mode, I guess. Yeah. Zombie mode was good. Yeah. I yeah. like the zombie mode. Yeah, well, that's trending. The zombie things, yeah. Hmm. I didn't time. play the game, though. No, you watched it, yeah. I watched the show, yeah. Yeah. On, 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 online. Yeah. I saw Herbert Moon uh, get chomped by zombies and, and come back. There you go. And get shot dead. There's something about seeing the Old West zombified. I've it's... never seen that, actually. Red Dead Redemption. No, I mean, I, well, I've never played that game, and but I've never seen it zombified through a movie. Oh, you could, get it, you could get it online easy enough. Oh, okay. After the show, we could watch it, and we we could call it the snuff. No thanks. I'm kind of over my zombie kick. Okay. Unless you, well, then how are you going to vote? Ooh. You see, ladies and gentlemen, basically his patriotism is being being slowly weaned out of him. How are you supposed to vote if you're not into zombies? Are you calling Trump a zombie? I'm not calling just him a zombie. Who are you calling a zombie? The whole political class. Sad. Yes, it is, but they're the best we have. Are they, though? They must be. Who would vote for them? (laughs) Ask and answer. (laughs) All right, let's move on, shall we? We're rambling. All right, uh, next two questions from Dane. Greetings from Milwaukee. I have a few questions for Charles. Okay. First being, what are your thoughts on French writer Jory Carl Wiesmont? Did I say that right? Jory Carl Wiesmont. Yeah. I myself have read his darkly pessimistic book, Au Revoir. Au Revoir. Au Revoir, excuse me, and was struck by his examination of evil. Wiesmont's work played a role in my own conversion to Catholicism and was curious what another practicing Catholic had to say about him, as unfortunately it seems only a few fringe people ever reference him, and those that do seem to miss his intentions. Well, they do, because <coughs> in his several books, starting with Arabor, and particularly with Laban, which comes next, going all the way down to the last, Lobla, the Oblate. Uh, not so much Arabor, which has a different character, but the others. You see an individual go from his flirtation with the occult to ending his life as an oblate in a Benedictine monastery. So it's a spiritual journey. Wow. Um, and people, especially they don't read the last uh, book, they don't understand that really it's the Journal of a Soul. And it's the Journal of a Soul who is disgusted with contemporary materialism. And so he tries various things, uh, which at the beginning, a lot of which are terribly unsavory. But they eventually lead him to the foot of the cross, hmm. which is not an uncommon theme in French Catholic literature. Okay. Well, what time did he live in? 
Uh, late 19th century. Okay. Okay, Dane's second question. What do you think France has offered to Catholicism and its culture? I believe Chesterton made note of France's militant temperament towards spirituality and practice of the faith. Care to elaborate? P.S. If you're ever in the Dairyland, be sure to ask for a spotted cow. I will. But uh, I've never seen a purple cow. I never hope to see one. But I can tell you this right now. I'd rather see than be one. Okay. All right. Anyway, to answer your question about what the French have given the church and the world, just about everything. I mean, how do you, how do you begin to express how many wonderful things the French have given the world? St. Martin, St. Joan of Arc, Clovis, Charlemagne, uh, the, the current version, well, current is a pre, pre-58 version of the liturgy, of the Western liturgy. The, um, gosh, Quebec, Louisiana. Ah, it's just, gosh, there's so much, it doesn't end. So many wonderful things. Justa Dei per Francos. The deeds of God through the Franks. Yeah, it's incredible what a, a bunch of barbarian tribes can rise up to become. As opposed to the Italians. <laughs> Italians have always been... Yes. <laughs> Decadent? Divided. Well, I think there's a reason that, you know, the center of the church is in Italy. Well, yeah. There's a reason for it, all right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> because anywhere else would have been a real problem. But what about the Slovaks and Magyars? Slovaks and Magyars? What about them? What about them? They're, they did good things. Better than the Italians? You're trying to get me at war with myself, and it's not going to happen. Okay. Um, uh, notice I'm only half Frenchman, but I'm pushing this idea. Yeah. yeah uh, French did some good things. No, uh, you know, all, they, all, kidding, all kidding aside, the French did a lot of good things. But you see, I look at Christendom as a sort of vast tapestry. With every uh, every people playing its part, with its own particular mission, uh, Italians, Slovaks, Magyars, French, Austrians, English, Irish, Spanish, Portuguese, Poles, Lithuanians, uh, every people has its role to play in the church and in Christendom, and all Catholic peoples have done something good at some point. What orders came out of France? Gosh, lots, especially nuns. Salesians? Uh, no. Uh, yes, sort of. St. Francis de Sales was in Geneva, although he was French by uh, uh, speech. Uh, outside Geneva, somewhere uh, in Italy. But the orders of the Sacred Heart, uh, the Assumptionists, uh, the Trinitarians, the, uh, the, uh, there are a lot of them. Okay. <clears throat> and of course, you know, the Dominicans, 
that even orders that did not come from them produced a lot of people like the Jesuits, the Franciscans, uh, the Carthusians came from France, of course, as did Chartres. So you're going to take you're going to take credit. So France is going to take credit for Ignatius of Loyola. No, but they'll take credit for the French Jesuits who went to Canada, Sir Jean Brebeuf and the American Martyrs. Okay. Yeah. Say. Oh, come on, you can do it. Say the French are pretty neat. Go ahead and say it. The French are pretty neat. All right. You know, I tried some poutine a while ago. It was pretty good. Don't, don't you feel better? I feel good. Yeah, I feel pretty good. I feel like they've had some contributions. But you feel like saying that has liberated you? Um. Yeah. Yeah. yeah see, so. you've overcome your anti-French bias. We're making progress. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Um. Let's see here. What are uh. From Joseph, Char oh, last question for today. Charles, what are some French-Canadian traditions for Advent and Christmas? Well, in addition to the ones I mentioned earlier, <coughs> there's a French-Canadian meat pie, Tautier, which is big for this time of year. Um, of course, we make a, uh, a lot about the Christ child at Christmas and the empty crash and putting the infant Jesus in. Uh, the father blessing the children on New Year's. Yeah. Giving gifts in New Year's. Of course, the Epiphany is a big day for us. The Jour des Rois. Um, you know what I remember what was so interesting to me? Because we've gotten this question before. Um, I think for New Year's, the uh, the blessing from the dad? Yeah, that's what I just said. Oh, did you? Just a second. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not the only someone at one. Um. Yeah, no, I I thought I thought that's fascinating because you don't think. I don't think a lot of families take advantage of the parents giving a blessing. No, they don't, and they should, because the father has that power. And of course, also speaking of New Year's, reciting or chanting the Te Deum at the end of the old year. And the Vedic Creator of Spiritus at the beginning of the new. There's an indulgence in that. Yeah. But anyway. I don't need no indulgences, though. I, you know, I'm good. So you're self indulgent. Ooh. I like that. <laughs> okay, so time for the book. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Oh. Let's see, let's see. Cala Quest for the Holy Grail. That's it. Who wrote it? You. <sighs> Oh, gosh. What a wonderful book. Um, let's see. Oh, whoa. I didn't see a Joseph Pierce quote on the back. Did they just add this? Few writers are better equipped to ask and answer the questions that this quest poses. Oh, Joseph Pierce. Thank you, Joseph. Um, how do you like that? Pretty nice, Very much. right? Yeah. Um, <coughs> so, would you like to say... I have a couple things to say, but would you like to say... Some things? Yeah, it was a great book to write. I actually wrote it over Lent. So it became, unexpectedly, a kind of... Uh, a kind of Lenten uh, exercise. And I... Uh, very fond of it. Very fond of it. Um, okay. Uh, the thing that I liked... Um, 
after reading it, my big reaction to it was, I remember I messaged you and I said, wow, Charles, this really uh, incites a fervor in you because it shows you that the faith is, is really real. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, everyone's saying, of course it's real, Vincent, but is, is it really real to us, though? I mean, is our faith really real to us? I think we have to be honest with ourselves on that, and we have to ask that question, because do we live as if the faith is real? Um, like, for me, um, for my example, uh, in doing an examination of conscience, I've always, you know, I, I want to get to daily mass uh, more often. But it's hard. It's hard. I kind of have to now uh, would have to fit it in a little bit before work. I'd have to wake up that much earlier. Um, but then I think to myself, well, what if instead of the Eucharist being offered at Mass, it was $100? Then it's like, whoa, wait a minute. If I go to that... You got 100 bucks. Straight 100, up. 100 bucks is 100 bucks. Yeah. That's a pretty good deal, right? Yeah, you know what they say. Money talks, faith walks. So... So then that was sort of, you know, a revelation to me. It's like, well, you know, I do it for a hundred bucks, but apparently the Eucharist isn't worth a hundred bucks to me. Yes, not. And so that's something I need to work on. And I think, um, I think a lot of people have to look at themselves and, and, and see, is this the best? And say to yourself, is this the best I can do? Is, is this who I was destined to be? Am I there? Am I there at the pinnacle? And I think if we're honest, the answer is no. And part of the solution to that is your faith being more real to you. Sin being as real as, you know, liver disease. Yeah. You know, that, that there are consequences <coughs> to, to sin. And you, <coughs> they're very real. Um, let's see here. Uh, what else did I want to say about this book? Um, so, yeah, so... You talk about the relics so much. They're the history of the relics, the history of the relics, of, uh, the true relics of the cross. Yeah. And it's really incredible how big of a deal it was to these to these people. Um, by the way, random shout out to Joshua from Florida, I think, who gave us relics. Remember, I gave you yes, episode, Saint relics Michael. Relics of Saint Michael. You sh you should have uh, seen Charles's reaction when it, when I handed him uh, his his relic share. Now, he was just. Bear in mind, these rocks of St. Michael are not pin feathers from his wings or something. Yeah. They're rocks from Monte Gargano where he appeared in a grotto <coughs> in a cave. Right. But yes, I was very excited. Yeah. Because it's someplace I've always wanted to go. Yeah. So that's what this book is, is going to do for you. I think it's going to. Because it's not talked about how much um, in history people like. How big of a deal relics are. When it is, it's used to downgrade and attack them. Of course. You know, like everything else. These wonderful academics who hold nothing sacred themselves love blaspheming everything that we hold sacred. I, you know, that, that is the problem. Like we were talking before the show about uh, this Netflix Jesus thing. Whenever I, I hear or read about that sort of stuff, I want to take something that liberals would hold sacred and blow my nose on it. I know. You know what I'm saying? Just, mm. No, 100%. 100%. Oh, here you are. Would you like it back? 
But see, the problem is they don't hold anything sacred except themselves. No, they're, yeah, that's right. So, short of physical violence, it's hard. That's right. So, uh, a special promotion we're going to run uh, starting right now is when you buy books from TumblrHouse.com, Charles's books will be signed. Uh, would you like to um, inscribe? If you order between now and January 6th. Okay, there you go. That gives you a week. There you go. Interestingly so, enough, our next show will be on the Epiphany. Oh, lovely. We won't be doing it on the Epiphany. But... Yeah. Uh, there we go. There you go. Signed. Sealed. Delivered. Uh, no. Um, folded. Spindled. Mutilated. What is that? That's horrible. Kukla, Fran, and Ali. Manny, Mo, and Jack. Okay, yeah. Those are the pet boys. Okay. Great. Where was that going? Groups of threes. Groups of threes, yeah. Yeah. Wink it, blink it, and nod. Good yeah, trip. snap, crackle, pop. Okay. Um, up, down, turn around. Larry, Curly, and Moe. Uh, Groucho, Harpo, and... Uh, oh, golly. Oh, and Chico. Okay. Uh... Oh my gosh, a trio really? Um, I don't know. You win, Charles. There you go. The sweet smell of victory. It doesn't matter how minor or ridiculous the victory is either. No, you're, you're deep in thought over it. Scorsese, Pesci, and De Niro. Dracula, Frankenstein, the Wolfman. <laughs> oh, we're really getting out there now. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Okay, so buy Charles' books to get an, an inscription. Right here. You okay, Charles? There we go. And like, once again, we thank Charles for doing this. He is such a trooper. We know this is incredibly difficult, but he loves you that much. Actually, he's not kidding. I, um, I must say, as we approach the end of this year, uh... And another year, the threat of another year gathers. Um, I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's been a year of change for me, a year of movement and running about. But um, it's always good to do these uh, these shows for you. Uh, a number of you have said that they've done you some good, which I know gratifies both Vinny and myself. Mm -hmm. To say nothing of the rest of the staff in this enormous place, um, the uh, well, maybe not those on the 13th floor, but yeah, I don't know what brings them joy, and I'd rather not find out mm -hmm. dismembered cats or something, yeah. But, um, no, I, I, uh, it's really been a great deal of pleasure for us to do this for you, and uh, we hope that we can continue doing it so long as we can. Um, would you like to do you feel up to doing the traditional, yeah. 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 Okay. But just to just a sip. 
Just a little sip. Okay. I don't want to fight the antibiotic. My favorite part of the year. Yep. The old year is dying. There you go. I have only one real talent. What is that? I just did it. <laughs> Boring champagne? Yep. It will pop in the cork. That reminds me of something uh, my brother told me, a nickname that they used to give you. Shampire. The Shampire. It's, uh, it was short for Champagne Vampire. <laughs> <coughs> the story went that in a Park Avenue apartment in New York, <coughs> a lady was having a very expensive dinner party when suddenly they were out of champagne. So she went downstairs into her cellar, her long, dark, scary wine cellar, to get another bottle of champagne. She reached for the, the bottle of mums, or perhaps it was Verve Clicquot. But as she lifted it, it felt strangely light. She held it up to the, uh, to the light, and although the cork was intact, the bottle was empty. She had been a victim of the champagne. <laughs> wow. One little tooth going all the way down to the cork. And... <laughs> That's so absurd. <laughs> what? I'm just picturing that. One little tooth going into the... And just sucking up all the champagne. All the champagne was gone. And she was... Ah! And you see her dropping the bottle in slow motion as she shrieks in horror. Wow. That is you. So, Happy New Year. Goodbye, 2019. Hello, 2020. Happy New Year, gang. Happy New Year. And remember, if it's Monday, it's off the menu. The soul you save may be your own, even in the new year.